everyone, it's your girl, Dr. Tomi, better known as Ama Aba. So welcome to the Wellness and Wahala podcast. For those of you tuning in for the first time, Wahala in Nigerian Pidgin English means issues and problems. So today we are going to be discussing the COVID-19 pandemic problem, the Wahala that is happening now. But I want to um, honor this this episode um, for all of our frontline workers and say thank you for everybody at the front line from respiratory therapists, nurses, doctors, laboratory technicians, public health scientists, epidemiologists that are on the front lines that are basically behind the scenes risking their lives every day to tackle this pandemic. And today I have a special guest. She's retired respiratory therapist. She's worked many decades, both in public and private hospital, government hospital, university hospital, University of Chicago. And she has great experience in the field of respiratory therapy. And coronavirus, if you all do not know, is a respiratory virus. And common coronaviruses are SARS, which is Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome that we previously tackled, and MERS, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. This current coronavirus, COVID-19, started in 2019 in Wuhan, China. Then it started rapidly spreading in the Asia region. It started as an epidemic and then is now all over the world. So now it's a pandemic. And the current statistics that are stated at the WHO website is that over 33,000 people have been confirmed ill of the COVID, sorry, over 400,000 people have become ill positive of the COVID-19 virus and about 16,000 people have become dead. That's the mortality rate. Once again, over 300,000 people have been confirmed ill because of the COVID-19 virus. That is the morbidity rate and over 16,000 people as of yesterday, March 24th, stated at the situation report, the current statistics. And just to, you know, keep you up to date, this is not live data um, because they don't have rapid same day testing and results. It takes a couple of days, in some cases, weeks to get results. So the numbers are actually higher. So I want to talk about some of the challenges and shortages of personal equipment and some of the frontline workers that not having enough staff. A lot of them, you know, they're overworked, having to work 16, 18, 24 hour shifts, um, having shortage in ventilators. So today we have the pleasure of having Mrs. Mercy Amu Ademoku, that is a respiratory therapist. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Hi. So can you tell us how long um, you have worked in the field of respiratory therapy? Uh, I worked as a respiratory therapist for 22 years. Okay. So over two decades. And when you used to work, for example, in the emergency room, and um, do, do you think that, you know, the current status of equipment that they have, do you think that they were equipped for a pandemic such as this? Um, nobody can be really, really ready for any situation like this. 
yes we do have shortages in a lot of hospitals um, especially the small hospitals they are not maybe they only have ICU of maybe not more than six or eight rooms and uh, with that type of uh, ICU uh, number that would be a lot of a problem you know if people are being taken to those hospitals because there is no room at the bigger hospitals so um, currently most hospitals are I don't think they they have most of the equipment or supplies for what is needed for this situation right now for the for the current uh, wind of storm of sickness that is going around they do not have you know even if prior yes. to this time they don't have enough exactly products and all that stuff but even now it become worse exactly you know because uh, they really don't have number one room enough to accommodate those patients number two they don't have enough supplies a lot of the personal protective equipment the PPE enough supplies yes. they don't have masks they don't have the body wear or the boots that you wear as if you're going to surgery to prevent you catching or contaminating anything with your shoes or your clothes so what do you say as a call to action to a lot of our leaders and um, in tackling pandemics because this is not the first pandemic or epidemic that we've had just like I mentioned before we've had SARS we have MERS we've even had Ebola most recently so many other epidemics and outbreaks so and it's not going to probably end at this one so since the beginning of time even before us that we were you know we were here over you know centuries we've always had some type of disease and outbreak. So isn't it better for us to start preparing both as a private sector, not even also relying on government, but having our own equipment, you know? And even if you have a surplus, you know, I would rather us have more. So even if our nation comes to the point that we have too much, you know, um, personal protective equipment and supplies, then we could actually donate to other developing countries and nations, you know? That's what makes us, you know, a big nation and a humanitarian nation that you know we can pay it for for other people that are in need but you know another thing is that a lot of these frontline workers are very underpaid and unappreciated so what do you say about salary and you know in these type of uh, pandemics when people are working the extra mile and you know extra hours about bonuses and, and and extra pay is you know what would you recommend what i would recommend for people that are currently working, doctors, nurses, lab tech, radiologists, and all that stuff, they are directly involved with patients like this, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I would, if I were still working or if I'm in that position to do some recommendation, I would recommend either to the hospital where I'm working or to the government, that what they need to do is we trying to, they are trying to protect and prevent uh, uh, this disease from going further, from spreading, then they should be able to, we don't know how long it's going to be, but they should be able to compensate them for the time spent 
for putting their lives on the line, mm-hmm. for putting their families' line on the line. They should be able to compensate them for giving them a temporary, by giving them a temporary accommodation. Why yeah. they are? Why this uh, epidemic is still spreading, uh-huh. and they don't they don't have the accurate number? And they work in long hours. Uh, 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 yeah, uh, uh, people don't want to come in. Right. You know, some people might say, "Oh, something happened. We are not coming in," or we suspect something. And, and then <laughs> there is shortage yeah. of people coming in. We we just had that uh, a nurse died in uh, Georgia. You know by contacting this thing from a patient. So they should be able to, first of all, think about the front runners yeah. that are taking care of this patient, yes. the doctors, the nurses, the especially the respiratory therapists. Yes. You know, now that before, nobody recognizes respiratory therapy. Nobody really knows what we are doing. Nobody talks about pulmonary doctors. Yes. You know, nobody talks about respiratory therapies right everything is nurses 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 no. even though it's a team the, it's a teamwork right and this type of pandemic now is directly involved respiratory. with respiratory exactly not nurses exactly you know? and they are so, not trained in blood gas and 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 no. uh, and those and machines for you to say um everybody needs a ventilator there should a ventilator, be what they yeah. should be doing now is looking for a non-invasive way to 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 deal with to deal with this uh, situation rather than uh, the invasive one looking for respirator you know tearing them open and all that stuff there should be something to be done you know there are procedures there are tests that could be done to determine whether they really do need the ventilator because you are short of breath doesn't mean you need to end up on the ventilator. Yes. You know, there are other things that could be done. So, you know, there are other methods that could be used. So do we have all those equipment? Yes. You know, because it's a to, team of to support, like right. a, a non-rebreather, like a venturi marks, like, you know, there are so many things, nebulizer treatment, exactly. you know, and all that stuff. And for them now to say, we need 400, or 40,000 ventilators in one hospital or in one state. What about the piping oxygen? What about the air? Right. Ventilator don't just work on its own. There's other supportive equipment that goes with the ventilator. And uh, there are other things that needs the ventilator to work, to be able to help. And they have a shortage of that too. You know, and... (laughs) Those are the first things they should be considering. Yes. You know, so how are we going to do this? If they don't have the piping, uh, oxygen and air, then they should be able to have the oxygen tank that will last up to like eight hours. Right. Right. Then it is more work for the respiratory therapist because you're the one because you are going to be pushing you are going to be pushing the tank you are going to be doing a lot of suctioning which means the respiratory therapist is more at risk at this time yes you know because you cannot do all those without touching the patient without doing something or whatever right and they are saying there is no um a mask, there is no gloves, right. which are important the tools that the respiratory therapy needs exactly. for them. And, the, and then the, 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 the body uh, uh, mask that you need to wear, right. you know, we need those. Respiratory therapy especially all need all those for them to be able to do that. And um, 
compensating, yeah, increasing their salary would be a, a good yeah, thing. Bonuses, time and a half. Now, if you're working respiratory therapists shifts. are coming to be recognized. Nobody recognizes the work of a respiratory therapist. And I'm so glad that the nation all over the world now knows the importance of a respiratory therapist. And even therapist. public health. So that's why we're the, all... And public health. And public health because, you know, it's, it's so, public health medicine specifically, you know, is doing... With, that's clinical. You're dealing with the patients one-on-one. Maybe you might go to the doctor once a year when you have your physical. But public health deals with everybody at any specific time. We're trying to keep the the world safe. We're trying to keep our nation and our people yes. safe from infectious yes. disease, from chronic disease. Yes. We have constant research. We're, we're, we're lobbying as a stakeholder engagement yes. officer, you know, and I'm advising ambassadors and even ministers of health when I work overseas, you know, as a former diplomat. So it's extremely important that we honor all of the frontline heroes everybody it takes you know as they say in africa it takes a village you know yeah. it all of us it takes all of us doing our parts as frontline heroes yes. and workers yes. to really tackle this pandemic mm-hmm. but if you just focus on one key area ah just the doctors or just the nurses or, uh, and you forget all the other people yeah. but yeah even all the way to all the, the cleaning first, staff the even to the cleaner yes, the cleaners that clean and from when they go from one patient yeah. to the next and they're the ones that are making the beds and the in the hospitals even for the person that does the intake cleaning, the, the blood, right the, 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 the administrator cleaning, and everything the person that is actually collecting the data in the system, the live data. So once it goes to the lab, then somebody has to put it in the system. Then somebody has to interpret that data. Then somebody has to analyze that data. Then you have to report it to the national database. Then you have to report it to the global database. So sometimes that even takes longer, especially if you don't have rapid live tests, you know, and you don't even have enough technicians and test kits even available. As you said, one of the things that we're having now is the challenges of supplies and equipment. Not just personal protective equipment, but even just general supplies of, you know, if, if cleaning supplies in the hospital, do you have enough cleaning supplies? You know, things like that. So people should not uh, wait until there's an emergency to to now start panicking. You actually spend more when you're reactive. It's better to be preventive and smart that you always used to say to us when we were in school, prevention is better than cure. Screening saves lives. You understand? If you don't prevent and you don't do the steps that you need, in advance, because this is probably not going to be the last pandemic or epidemic and outbreak, but we can learn. There's a lot of lessons that we can learn, you know, to prevent this type of high I'm mortality and, future, you know, yeah. and death rate in the future. So thank you so much for being on our podcast. I honor you. I salute you, my mom. I've always appreciated you. I know you used to work double shifts. You'll work in one hospital in the morning, and then you'll switch to another hospital as a single mom. It is not easy. So a a lot of those frontline workers, a lot of them are also single mothers. You know, they're leaving their children at home. It is not easy, you all. So I salute my mom. Big ups to you. God bless you. Good health, long life, and prosperity, length of days, and peace. I decree and declare for you and all the frontline workers that lay down their lives. And a fun fact, my mom is also a deaconess and she's also the chef 
and um, she has a cookbook on Amazon called Tomiti Cookbook. And this is a time of self-distancing. A lot of people are staying at home, teleworking. Self-care is important. Good nutrition is very important in regards to public health. Even when they find good treatment for this virus, an antiretroviral to suppress the virus, it's really good to get good nutritious food. And she has a wonderful Nigerian cookbook that has nutritious food filled with vegetables and fruits. And, you know, one of my favorite is a goosey or a bono soup with the okra, you know, and cassava and eba. So the Toma Tea Cookbook, where can people buy it if they wanted to get part of your Toma Tea Cookbook? And Toma Tea, you, why did you name your cookbook Toma Tea? You know, this month of March is actually National Nutrition Month in the U.S., so what was the reason why you named your Nigerian cookbook um, Tomiti? I used the names of my daughters. They are two first initials to name the cookbook. So Tommy, Muiwa, and Titi. It was named after the, after the names of my children. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So you can find it on Amazon. And for a random fan who likes and shares and writes a great review um, and leaves comments on our podcast and on this episode, I will be giving away one free copy of the Tommy Tea cookbook. So I know a lot of people are panicking at this time, but I will say that, you know, just stay up to date with the facts. Go to the cdc.gov website, who.org, the World Health Organization website to stay up to date on what you can do on your own. Personally, wash your hands, keep your good hygiene and keep the peace, not panic and keep the faith and not fear. And one scripture that I want to leave you with today, usually I give you a proverb of the week, but I think, you know, we need scripture at this time of that we're facing this pandemic, COVID-19. Um, be anxious about nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Philippians 4, 6. So do you have any last words for our audience, Mom? Uh, thank you for having me, and I hope um, you'll be able to gain something from the discussion of today. And may the Lord bless you real good. God bless you and all of the frontline workers um, that are on the front line of this epidemic. Even those that work at the grocery stores, that, you know, that work at different pharmaceutical companies and labs trying um, to, to work and, and, to, and to get a cure and to research um, and working on the clinical trials. Everybody, every single person, even if it's the driver that is taking, you know, samples and taking them to the lab, everybody is valuable. We all are a team. It takes a village. So salute all of you. Big ups to all of you. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. And please, and I'm wishing you no wahala this week. Peace and blessings.